There's something that holds too many of us back from following the Lord. Pastor Ed Taylor heightens our awareness. Of all the major barriers that come to us that prevent us from stepping out in faith, yielding ourselves completely to God, let me share one that I think many of us share. It's very simple, fear. Cousins and nieces and nephews of fear are worry, anxiousness, and it has held you back from committing your whole life over to God. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Fear too often allows our imagination to get the better of us. And before you know it, our trust in God diminishes. But there's a way through, and we'll hear about it today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, we'll show you how to know God's will and what often gets in the way. But Pastor Ed starts off with some favorites. Favorites. We all have favorites. We have favorite songs. We have favorite times of the year. I'm sure you have a favorite restaurant. And if you're like me, when you go to a favorite restaurant, you probably have a favorite dish. Because isn't it a bummer? Like everybody gets on you for ordering the same thing every time you go. And you finally just get worn down, right? You're like, okay, 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 I'll try something new. And then you try something new and you're like, what did I do that for? I should have just ordered what I wanted to order. I have a favorite meal here. That's why I come here. And we have favorites, all sorts of favorites in our lives. And I would say that you probably have, as a believer, a couple favorite passages of Scripture. We may call them life verses. We may not refer to them as our favorite passage of Scripture, but we may refer to them as our life verses. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you have a few of them. I have a few of them. One of them is in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You know, these life verses, we memorize them too. Like we put them into our hearts. We put them into our minds. We want to think about them in tough times. We want the Holy Spirit to bring them back and bring us back to simplicity. Maybe there's a verse that you had when you were a new believer and it just continues to minister to you over the years. One of them for me is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul declares, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, that's incredible to think that the life that I live is not my own. And every time I veer away from that truth and I begin to do things in my own understanding, my own thoughts, my own strength, I fall flat on my face. I need to remember in my own life that it's Jesus that died for me and lives his life through me. Another one for me is Zechariah. Zechariah, it's a great passage. Chapter 4, verse 6. We remembered as Zerubbabel comes, the Lord comes to him and says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Indeed it is. The power of God. You know, another favorite of mine, I'll ask you to turn there in Proverbs chapter 3. Notice verse 5 with me. And I know that some of you, this is a favorite for you as well. 
It's one of those passages that you've memorized. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It's one of those verses you want to tuck away into the deep parts of your heart and your mind where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in You guys are catching on. Very good. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. What a great passage of Scripture when we're learning how to discover the will of God. It begins with giving your whole life over to him. I mean, and continuing to surrender yourself to the Lord. What a joy. What a joy to put your complete trust in God. What a joy to have Your life lived in such a way where you and I are trusting God in every area, in all our ways, all of them. Of course, it's a great difficulty for us, isn't it? To trust God in all our ways because when certain things come up in our lives, the tendency will be to lean on our own understanding, to lean on our own experience, to lean on our own knowledge, to lean on how things have been done in the past, to lean on perhaps our education and what we've learned and not to trust in God. And what a mistake that is when we fall into that trap because so many of us have difficulties right here. Have you ever noticed in your life how easy it is and how easier it seems to put your trust in man? I mean completely in man. To put your trust even in a corporation with your job and your paycheck. To put your trust in a relative. To put your trust in a system or to put your trust in a government and not in the Lord. It's very easy for us to wholeheartedly trust each other at times It even seems easier to trust in man more than we trust in God. But Solomon would say, trust in the Lord. Trust in him. Don't lean, he says in verse 5, on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and that's where you'll get that direction, that insight. It's so dangerous to think that you've got the key and the answer to everything. It's such a dangerous place. You know, I don't need to pray about this one because I already know. I really don't need to seek any counsel on this because I got it all figured out. I don't need any help on this one. I'm going to do okay. Just watch me, God. I just want you to see. And it's almost like heaven saying, oh, I'll watch you all right. Fall on your face. (laughs) Pick you right back up, but I'll watch you. You're neglecting such an important part of seeking me. I'll watch you fall. It's so important to seek wisdom and counsel from God on everything, small and large, because we can rely on him because he has a plan that he's unveiling in our lives. Flip over to Psalm 37, would you? To trust in the Lord with all of our heart, not just a little, but all. To acknowledge him in all our ways, not just a little, but all. And then I love this in Psalm 37. Pick up with me in verse 3. Even though we have faltered and stumbled so many times before we don't need to learn the hard way the key is to trust in the lord to hold fast to him he says in verse 3 of psalm 37 trust in the lord and do good dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness delight yourself also in the lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart commit your way to the lord trust also in him and he'll bring it to pass 
Do you hear that? I mean, that's just a promise for some of you right now. He'll bring it to pass. You trust in him. He'll work it out. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He'll bring it to pass. Verse 6, he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in this way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Discovering the will of God. There's so many ingredients, and we're breaking down Romans chapter 12, the first couple verses, and we're just looking at them in sections, pausing in what God is sharing with us piece by piece. Remember, if you want to flip over there, Romans chapter 12 now, verse 1, Paul, he turns a corner, he says, I beseech you. That's that earnest begging. You could translate that word, I beg you, therefore, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as living sacrifices to God, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. He says, present your bodies to God, all of yourself. That word present, you can circle it there in verse 1. You can write next to it. It's a technical term. You can write next to it fully and completely because that's the idea. The idea is to give yourself, to yield yourself, to present yourself Fully and completely, not partially, not in bits and pieces, not when you're ready, not when you think you have it figured out, not when you're comfortable, not in all of the conditions we place. Paul's begging us, the Holy Spirit through him, to say, listen, here's the key in discovering the will of God. Here is a key and component. This is so important. Give yourself to God. For some of you, you have to go back to your salvation experience to remember what that's like. To fully, completely, wholeheartedly yield yourself to God and trust Him in a moment's time. Because that's what happened when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, when He saved your soul by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. I mean, the word present, it's a technical term. It takes us back to the Old Testament when the Levi, when the priest would take the offering the offering that was not alive, and present it on the altar. It was a complete presentation. It wasn't partial. They didn't put it partly on the altar. They completely put it on the altar, and the offering was completely consumed. And then whatever was left is moved off, and the next offering came. Now, the difficulty for us as humans now is this living sacrifice, is that living sacrifices tend to squirm off of the altar <laughs> when the heat begins to rise. And that's where it comes in our lives to give in pieces, bits and pieces. I'll give you this part, Lord. I'm, I hear, I heard Pastor Ed today, I heard that part of the scripture. I am ready to give you this. And that's a good beginning, but that's not what this verse is saying. God isn't asking for some bits and pieces today. He's not saying, okay, you really want to know my will for your life? You really want clarity on that answer? You really want some answered prayer? You're really looking for that string to walk in boldness? Give all of yourself completely, wholeheartedly, surrendering fully, yielding completely. You know, there's a lot of barriers. There's a lot of stumbling blocks in our lives of why we don't do this. There's all sorts of things that swirl around our lives where we're content not to offer God all of us. Listen, God is not asking He's not asking through Paul today, give a part of yourself. He says, I want all of you. I purchased all of you by the blood of the Lamb. Every part of your life, not just your church life, 
that's relegated perhaps to a few hours during the week, but all of your life, wherever you might be, whatever you might be doing, wherever God may have you. And of all the major barriers that come to us that prevent us from stepping out in faith, yielding ourselves completely to God, let me share one. It's really a band of reasons that all fit together that I think many of us share in common. There are a lot of unique things that have to do with the way you grew up and and your point of view on life and how long you've been saved. There's a lot of those types of reasons that are unique to you. But one that goes across the board often in life is very simple, fear. Cousins and nieces and nephews of fear are worry, anxiousness, or as the psalmist said in Psalm 37, fretting. Hey, flip over now to... Philippians chapter 4, would you? I want to show you this encouragement by Paul because I believe that some of you are gripped by fear and anxiety and it has held you back from committing your whole life over to God. For some of you, it's a daily occurrence where God is calling for you, hey, submit yourself to me, submit yourself to me, and there's fear and there's anxiety going on and I don't know and I'm not sure and what if? And Paul, he so encourages us as he writes this letter to the church in Philippi, speaking directly to this anxiousness. He matter-of-factly addresses worry and fear and anxiousness. I mean, because some of you guys, you, you have a great and wonderful calling on your life. For some of you, God has called you to, to teach Now, whether it's in a pulpit environment or it's in a classroom or it's a small group or it's a little Bible study at work or it's a a deal with your family, God has called you to teach, but you are so afraid. Maybe you're afraid of messing it up. You know, you want to handle the Word of God wisely. That's okay. Maybe it's just a fear of standing in front of people and looking them in the eye and talking like in in a public setting. Oh, yeah, your, your hands start to get sweaty and you're like, oh, no. You know, some of you come on Wednesday nights, you know, and I'll just look around and whoever makes eye contact with me, I'll say, come on up. That's what it looks like. But actually, we've talked beforehand usually. Say, hey, what's going on in your life? And you'll come up and share a testimony. And for some, you just got to do it. You don't need to be afraid of what people are going to say or what people are going to think or what's going It doesn't matter. But see, that fear and anxiety pulls you away. And I know you. You won't make eye contact with me anymore. When I'm looking around, you're like, you're like this. You know? It's like, he's not looking at me. And so then I start looking for the people with their hands like this. (laughs) But it's a good thing to be able to share. Maybe it's just this calling that God has dropped in your heart. You have this missionary thought. You're, You're leaning in that direction, but you're really afraid of being sent around the world. Well, don't worry about the around the world right now. Go across the street and share with someone that's in your neighborhood. You don't have to worry about going around the world. And I mean, think about it. Do you think that's how God operates? Like, He's going to send you around the world just to make you miserable? It's like, yeah, he's got a calling to missions. So I'm going to send him to the worst place in the world. Check this out, Gabriel. Check them out. You know, they're all messed up because I go. God doesn't mess with your life. He's not like that. He's going to lead you and guide you and send you and use you how he created you with your unique personality, his giftings, your talents, It's this cooperative work of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want to mess with your head or with your life. He wants that joy of relationship. 
He might stretch you. You might misinterpret being stretched as like God messing with you, but that's not true. He's stretching you. You're growing. Even as those of you who are parents, you like to stretch your kids a little bit, test their faith a little bit, give them a little bit more responsibility, send them on a little bit more challenging things, allow as they grow up a little bit more freedom so that they continue to grow. God's the same way. It's scary at times, but we can trust in him. And so notice chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 6, he says, Be anxious for what? Nothing. Wow, that's pretty clear. Be anxious for nothing. I mean, that's a matter of fact. It's clear. This is what we would call in the New Testament a divine imperative. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. Paul's not going, you know, it would probably be a good idea if you could ever get around and muster up enough energy. Don't be anxious for anything, okay? No, no, he's saying, don't be anxious for anything. Be anxious for nothing. And he shows us how to do it. He says, but in everything, by prayer, that's bringing you back to a place of trust, supplication, Remember, we've learned that that word means to request, so that's a two-way street with God, is we're crying out to him and we're also asking from him with thanksgiving and we're also thankful for him. Let your request be made known to God and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts, because that's the place often of fear, and your minds, because that's the battle, through Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, fear will paralyze you every time. It'll lead you to inactivity, often into a path of making bad decisions. When God has made it clear, he's revealed it to you, he's shown you, he's given you the direction, he's even giving you by his spirit the courage, fear pulls away. Fear takes a lot of different manifestations, if you will, in our lives. A lot like pride. Pride shows up in a lot of different ways in our life. There's not just one way to look at pride. There's not just one way to look at fear. But I can say, for those of you that like to analyze, fear starts, kicks you into the analytical mode where you start thinking about it. Okay, God, I heard you. Oh, that sounds good. I need to sit down on this one. <laughs> and you take out your piece of paper, you write the line down the middle, right? You got the pros on the one side, the cons on the other side, and you start to weigh everything. When God has said to move, to go, to do, to stop. Now, it's not to say that looking at something in wisdom is a bad thing and to take that piece of paper out and to write down some things in preparation of what God's going to do. But some of you, you take the piece of paper out to talk yourself out of obeying God. And it's a dangerous thing. If you're taking notes, let me show you a few things that fear does. Some of them may be relatable to you. Some of them you might be able to use as you minister to others. But when fear starts to grip a person, it starts to divide. You know that word, anxious? You could circle it there in Philippians. It literally means to divide the mind. That's what fear does. It divides the mind. It comes from two Greek words, one that speaks of division and the other that speaks of mind. And a person that's gripped by fear, you could say, is double-minded. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You don't want to be double-minded. It's, I heard you, God, but I'm not sure. I heard you, God, but I don't know. I heard you, God, but I... Well, that's a double-minded man. And in the flesh, in the weakness of our flesh, there is that tendency to choose not to follow God. And in the Spirit, we want to follow Him. Division. It literally means that word anxious to be pulled in two different directions. And let me give you a few things that you and I get pulled in when we start to worry. Number one, we get pulled in two different directions as it relates to our identity. 
who we are in Jesus Christ. Fear divides our mind and begins to draw us away from the reality of our relationship as children of God. Being a child of God is a wonderful thing. That means you have purpose, you have a covering, you have direction, you have help from Abba Daddy. But when you fear, you don't trust your dad. We don't trust our Father in heaven. And we begin to take things in our own hands. Worry makes us distrust our faithful Heavenly Father. Every time. It makes us think that we're more independent than we are. That we can handle this one. That we can take care of it. It's a dangerous thing. Worry number two. Worry divides us as it relates to our productivity. The fruit of our lives. When we worry, we become less fruitful in our Christian lives. We become less engaged in the will of God. Worry, you could say, immobilizes our progress. Or I like to think of it as worry makes Christians become like a deer in headlights, frozen in time, waiting for the impact. And the world just runs us over, frozen. And so what happens is those that are immobilized by fear, there's not a lot of fruit coming from their lives. They're just kind of waiting, sitting it out, waiting it out because they're gripped with anxiousness and fear. There's a third thing that I've noticed in relationship to fear, and that is it divides us and it pulls us as it relates to our spirituality, our spiritual growth personally. Worry arrests spiritual growth and can even, and you guys know this, some of you know this personally, worry can even create physical problems in your body, like ulcers and severe headaches and neck pain and back pain. And before you know it, not only will it start messing with your physical body, but fear can start messing with your mind. And real fears can often lead to irrational fears. And you just see, man, what happened to that guy? Well, most likely, perhaps, somewhere down the road, they were gripped with fear and they never recovered. I love what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It only empties today of its strength. Isn't that true? I mean, worry just doesn't do anything productive. Let me ask you a question. What is exactly, do you, can you guys remember, what was it exactly that you were worried about on April 19th, 1987, at about 4 o'clock. Now, let's do 4.15. How's that? 4.15, way back when. Now, some of you are like, well, wait a minute. I know exactly what I was worried about because I was worried for a whole year that year. No, that, no I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Just in that isolated time, that day, that, that day that you lost, that day that, that you had that headache, that day with the migraine, the day where you had to lay out. because what, what were you worried about? Most likely, you have no idea. You know why? Because it didn't come to pass. When you look back on it, it's a much broader scale. You don't even remember, do you? Because so much of what we worry about takes us away from today. Indeed it does. Worry is a thief. We'll consider more of what it robs us of next time on Abounding Grace. In the meantime, don't let worry rob you. Instead, cast all your cares on the Lord, for He cares for you. Pastor Ed Taylor is knee-deep in his study of Romans. And if you missed any portion, you can simply go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. 
Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. Load the messages onto your mobile device and listen at the gym, in the car, or wherever you go. Just go to AboundingGraceRadio.com to learn more about that. You can also get our app. It's available on all platforms. This is another way to hear our program. Search for Calvary Aurora. With the COVID-19 pandemic going on, you might have a little extra time on your hands these days as you're at home. Why not pull out a good book that can build you up in the Lord? We'd like to suggest A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. It's based on the biblical figures of David, Saul, and Absalom. If you've ever experienced pain, loss, or heartache at the hands of other believers, this will be very encouraging to you. There's comfort, healing, and hope to be found in A Tale of Three Kings. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Please remember, it's through your support that we're able to present this radio program on this station and others like it. Call 877-30-GRACE, and we can help you with the ordering details. We'll return to Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.